The Weedsman Podcast. ChristopherMedia.net. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Christopher Media. Let's make some noise. From Asmacore Studios near Detroit, Michigan. Oh, man. It's the Weedsman Podcast. I have no idea what's going on. And now... You have smoked yourself retarded. Here are the Weedsmen. You want to get hot? Oh, the, the, the fully vaxxed Weedsman Podcast. Oh, yes. We, in, in, in a matter of weeks, we could be in the same room together again. It would be loud. That's right. Boy, we've gotten so gotten so used to doing it this way, yeah, right? That uh, your other podcasts too. Like, I wonder, like, if Adam Carolla, if anyone else is ever going to travel with him ever again. I'm sure, it brings down the travel budget when they just right. zoom in three people to the show instead of bringing three, you know, three people, three more plane tickets, three more hotel rooms. I, I just, I, I wonder what things are going to stick. After the pandemic and what aren't. There's definitely going to be some things that hang out after the pandemic. Like, I think restaurants are forever changed. Well, restaurants are... I, I don't know what's good. I would hate to be a restaurant owner right now. I think if you have a drive through window, you're like, what pandemic? You know, it, 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 Maybe, but then, I mean, they've got staffing issues now. Yes, that's that. that has been the... You know, and restaurants are not great places to work at. They're... People work at restaurants because it's convenient. You know, if they have, uh, you know, jobs where maybe they're sometimes working and sometimes not. And so they can pick up, you know, shifts here and there. They're, they're a little more flexible. You can work, you know, at nighttime if you're going to school or have kids that you have to take care of during the day. You know, there's all kinds of reasons that people do work at restaurants, but good work environment and high pay are not amongst them. Yeah. And yeah, when people start finding other ways to make money, like they have, they've been forced to do during this pandemic because they don't have restaurants they can rely on for work and tips and all that. Then, uh, yeah, you've got, you're starting to have some real competition now. Plus the state. I mean, restaurant owners are just pleading for the government to stop giving out money. So we can hire these people for $2.35 an hour. Well, those are just the servers. 
Yeah, I know. And you always hear that sob story, but the other thing is I've known a lot of servers. If you're a good server, that 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 check is nothing to you because you're making all your money. Trust me, good servers are making like 60, 70 grand a year. Oh, yeah, no no doubt that that, that can happen, but that's not the norm. That's the exception. And I'm not I'm not really shitting on it. This isn't like this is kind of a separate conversation from the the minimum wage thing. Really, it's just more about the conditions. You know, people generally get treated like shit from my experience who work at restaurants. Well, it, it's just it's, kind of accepted. Yeah, well, it, it's but it's also part of the talent pool. I mean, that's what the thing I was going to say about a restaurant is somebody who's been in the industry for a number of years. It's where you go when you're, you don't have education, but manual labor isn't your thing. I mean, right. To be brutally honest. So, I mean, a lot of it, it, it's treated like shit. Yes. And no, I mean, and, and, but a lot of it too is, I mean, it's, it's, it's part of the workforce you're dealing with too. It's you, you, you know, you're signing up for those hours. You know, you're, it's, there's a lot of stuff you know you're signing up for when you join the restaurant game. Oh, yeah. And I'm not saying all, all restaurant gigs are shitty, but anyway, I don't know how we started off with this. What, what what do we want to start off? Oh, yeah. Okay. So we're vaxxed. We're ready to get back out in the world or, you know, I don't know. I I wasn't really out much in the world (laughs) before. So I feel like I'm, I'm brain farting. You know, I got some, (laughs) I got some new shit, and this has really just ruined my day. I was very non-productive today. <laughs> well, it means it's good shit. I went, it was really good shit, and I and it was it's creeper too. Ah, good old creeper. Yeah, which I don't. I don't know that I've really experienced that from a concentrate before. All the concentrates tend to pretty much hit the same. From my experience, but I got a new cartridge from, this is a Michigan place. What is this called? Redbud Roots. Oh, I've had uh, one of those. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So I've been sticking with Pyramid lately because that was a brand that I can generally trust not to taste weird and not fuck up as far as the, the cartridge is concerned. But they didn't have any of the, any of the Pyramid at the time, so I got the Redbud. Because the price was right on it, but yeah, it ended up being a a really good find. It's reasonably priced. I got a gram cartridge of live resin for fifty bucks. Nice, it's a good deal for live resin. Yeah, and uh, I mean, how much of it is actually live resin, or is it, any, or are they just calling it that? Who knows? But it tastes like it, and like I said, it hits pretty hard. And I didn't intend on. Uh, Spending the day watching TV, but that's all right. I'll make up my work. <laughs> hey, just work like two hours extra the next four days, and there you go. You made it up. Well, I don't exactly work a job where I can get away with like fucking off for a whole day without having to make that up because it's going to be pretty evident at the end of the week if I don't have my shit done. <laughs> gotcha. Hey, start an hour early, work an hour late, boom. A creeper, so, man. It's cre- it, it, it's always fun, right? You, oh, man, this isn't that great. And then 10 minutes later, you're like staring at the TV with your mouth half open. Yeah. Like, oh, shit. Never mind. 
you take like nine rips off the cartridge, and then you realize, uh oh. But it was definitely a pleasant surprise because I mean, this is going to be another brand that I turn to now because I knew for sure there were other brands, and I'm not going to call them out, but there are other ones that I've experienced and I don't want anything to do with anymore. They put too much junk in their shit. It makes me cough. You know, this just. This tastes like just the, the distillate or, or whatever, you know, it does, there's no extra added flavors and I don't have, you know, coughing fits from it or anything like that. I do say I have one no fly brand. Like if I'm, if I have a cartridge of this brand, it means everything else was out because the it cartridge burns. of last resort. Yeah. It, Cause it burns fast and the way it tastes, you can tell there's other shit in there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to put them on blast, but. Yeah, they're just, they're on my no thank you list. But in general, it seems like the availability of products is uh, is increasing. It's more like more consistently. This is kind of a blip that they didn't have the pyramid. They've had that shit week in and week out for me, uh, you know, <clears throat> since I since I was into it. But also the, the prices seem to be coming down as well. So out of, I, you know, this whole month i've been reading about stories about scarcity what can't we get certain types of milk or ketchup packets not ketchup just in packets for some reason you know, certain types of lumber is you know all the stuff that the pandemic's affected and i really felt like the that cannabis was going to be one of those things that was affected but you know when you stop and think about it and we look at how much the market is increasing and uh, at the same time, the stigma is dropping. More people are openly admitting to and, more, and openly consuming. Oh, yeah. And then you throw in the pandemic where people don't have a whole lot else to do. So you've got probably you know really high sales, and uh, that's going to naturally start dropping those prices. Yeah, I'm sure that's weed and booze works. had a bang-up 2020. Sure anything that altered you. Had a great sales year. And I'm also starting to see more evidence of direct competition because I've been following. There's not a whole lot of places around me, but I do keep my eyes on what's available. And I'll see shit turn up and, you know, somebody's got it for like $10 less than somebody else. And then the next week, that other place dropped their price on theirs. Yeah, well, I'm sure it's more because there's more rec places opening, right? I mean, it's probably it probably yeah. was the same thing with medical places when it first came here. You know, there was only a few handful of dispensaries. There could be certain price points, but as more and more people opened, prices came down. I'm sure that's going to happen with rec too. Yeah, it is. It, it definitely is. So, J Lo and Ben Affleck are back together. Man, <laughs> you know what bumped me out about this? What's that? This means Ben Affleck's got to be hung. <laughs> or he's just slinging really good dick. To get the retap 17 years later, like for a or, week, too. Or, or maybe she realized that, you know, having a big dick wasn't the end-all, be-all. Maybe she was looking for something else. Maybe she realized that, she, that even though Ben had a small dick, <laughs> that, uh, you know... That, that she made a mistake. I'm just saying, it, you get there the call back 17 years later, you had to be putting it to her. You don't get the... Re you, for a week, she's like, hey, you want to go away for a week? 17 years later, after I a week out of my relationship? 
Well, isn't that how these things usually happen? Like, ben must know all the right spots to hit. Just saying. Yeah, well, like, but why fuck around? If you're, if you're rekindling a relationship, you don't, I mean, maybe some people do go like, well, let's start small and go on a date. But generally, I mean, you're right back in the thick of it. Maybe she just always needs a penis. Is that, is, is that theory what? been floated out what? there? Based on what? Because she's she dates men. <laughs> no, I mean there was like what, like a like a week, like they, I don't know, maybe it seemed like a week, but it seemed like her and A Rod just broke up, and now she's spending a week in Montana with Ben Affleck. Ooh, that hussy. I'm not saying that hussy. I'm just saying like <laughs> maybe it was over a lot sooner than A Rod thought. Well. The overlap. I mean, I'll give you that. That's that's more of a woman, a woman thing. Hey, whatever. For fifty, J Lo's fifty something. Shit. Remember what fifty some women looked like when we were kids? They did not look like fucking J Lo. I'll tell you that. Well, they don't all. <laughs> oh, that's fair. That is fair. But I, I will definitely say your average fifty something woman looks a lot different than we were kids. Uh, yes. Like definitely. Uh, a lot more maintenance going on in 2021 than perhaps in the 80s with the ladies in their 50s. Not complaining, just an observation. But that was people in general, though. I mean, it's, didn't Wilford Brimley look like that since he was 26? Like, I remember seeing that there were guys... I mean, I'll I'll say the same thing, too. There were guys when in our 50s when we were kids that looked like fucking guys in their 70s now. It seemed like, yeah, you were... I don't know if it's because there was more smoking or what, like... It used to be that you would, you know, by the time you were like 25, you were settling down and you had found your thing, right? Whether it was like, I smoke a pipe or I have uh, horned rim glasses or I like to fish or I'm really into my car or something. You found your thing and that was your thing and then you were like, okay, now I get my dad look going on and I do that for the rest of my fucking life. I, but, I pick out my haircut and whether I wear bow ties or, or regular ties, whether I do the, the short sleeve button up shirt or the long sleeve button up shirt. But it's like, and, were we more stressed? Did we smoke more? What? Because it's bald. Brian brings this up all the time. You'll see a, 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 a an older picture of a bunch of people in their twenties and they'll all look like they're pushing 40. I mean, was it how they dressed, or what? It, like I said, was it said? Were, were, was it more stressful because the the whole world was at war? Was it, there, was the, there there was the depression? Everybody smoked. Like people seem to age a lot better nowadays. Now I get it. There's other factors at play here, you know, with plastic surgery and things like that. But no, but it, it's not just a surgery. It's not just a medical thing. Like I'm with you. I think we're just. We're just healthier. <laughs> but we're eating shittier food. Well, yeah. I, I mean, like the other I thing about these pictures, though, is no one's ever overweight because processed food wasn't as prevalent yet. The FBI released its file on Kurt Cobain this week. Is he still dead? Yep. Cool. Case closed. <laughs> what was the file? What was, this, what was it about? About his murder? There, was, there wasn't really much to it. Honestly, and it doesn't look like there is anything that the FBI were even looking into. 
I think they just had to have a, a file to put things that they received. Like there were letters from people that were beseeching the FBI to look into Kurt Cobain's death as a, uh, a potential homicide and not a suicide. No. And, you know, it was, if you've seen the documentary, what was the, the documentary called back in the day? The one where they interview Courtney Love's father and the, their father's like, nope, that cunt killed her for sure. I know my daughter. She's a bitch. She killed that dude. I forget the name of the documentary, but I remember the one you're talking about. It was like Kurt and Courtney or something. It sounds right. That might be it. But yeah, I mean, they they talk about the the letter that was found where, like, I guess, the the handwriting changes in it. They, they think that like Kurt had penned uh, a retirement letter to his fans and that somebody had taken that and added the suicide stuff for it and then staged a suicide. It sounds rather elaborate. And at this yeah. point with DNA te- with DNA technology would well, have been would have been found out already. That that's quite elaborate to explain the death of somebody who's strange I mean this is somebody who is quite open about their like nearly lifelong struggle with depression, right? Yeah, and drugs. His death was not expected and was certainly horrific, but I don't remember anyone back in the day going like, no, not him. Yeah, right. Like there was a lot of like, you go, oh my God, and then you go, well, there you go. You know, (laughs) like... You were shocked because it happened, not because he did it, if that makes sense. It wasn't like... Britney Spears committing suicide, like, oh my God, like nobody knew what was really going on with that person. They kept it all hidden. Like, that, this guy was out there writing songs and making millions off of his depression. Like in 1990, they were like, Robert Smith. On display for the fucking world yeah. to see. And we all went, you're such an icon, never changed, dude. And he's like, I'm hurting inside. Like in 1990, if someone was like, Robert Smith cut his wrists, I'd be like, well. Yeah. Seems seems accurate. Maybe you shouldn't write so many sad songs. You ever think about that? Yeah, you're doing it to yourself, Bob. <laughs> or if all of a sudden one day they just say that Bono is beaten to death by somebody who couldn't take it anymore, I would get it. Yeah, <laughs> the edge finally snaps. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say there's probably a band. I want to <laughs> use my overdrive pedal. Clean channel for 40 years. <laughs> nope. You get, uh, you get chorus and delay. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's <laughs> all you get. In this band, we only use time-based effects. If I hear one smidgen of overdrive, you're out of the band. No. I swear, it's just a compressor. <laughs> I heard distortion. It says clean boost. <laughs> you turn that gain down. <laughs> the F- having an FBI file makes it sound like the FBI was looking into you. But really all it means is that you were famous enough for like crazy people to write to the FBI about you. <laughs> yeah, it's more like we looked into things about right. you based on things people asked us. Yeah. It's not... It's a far cry from, like, 
FBI file on John Lennon. That was somebody yeah. that they were actively like, mm, we got to keep our eye on this Brit. He might be causing trouble. Yeah, dossier was a little thinner than the Lennon file. Yeah, very, yeah, very much. Took one sheet of paper. No, he killed himself. I saw a, a John Lennon license plate today. Oh, God. Right? And it wasn't like, you know, a frame that went around oh, it. It oh, was back it, around it was a, to nobody cares. It was, a, it was actually on the, the plate and said, you know, imagine across the top and it had the, you know, the, the sketchy self portrait that is pretty much his trademark now. And the, the weird thing was is that the plate was from, from Florida. I was going to say, is this, a, is this a Michigan plate? Yeah, it wasn't a Michigan plate. It wasn't a New York plate. I only say Michigan because that's where we're recording from. But, uh, yeah, why would, why would Florida have the option for a customized John Lennon? I don't know. Maybe they have a lot of them. Maybe they have Brooks and Dunn as well. Well, here you go. It's being explained. It's only in Florida. Oh, really? Yoko Ono Lennon has kindly authorized the youth. The, God, I can't read today. Yoko Ono Lennon has kindly authorized the use of the John Lennon self-portrait image to help end hunger in the state of Florida. Okay. But why is it just in Florida? Does she live in Florida? Well, she is old. Yeah. Hey, it's only 25 bucks. You have John Lennon license plate. I've, I, I can't really say anything. I've given so much money to the John Lennon estate. From all the, well, but I, you know, I, I take that back. I probably there's a California one. I think that uh, we probably received most of it as gifts. But my first child was decked out in all of that John Lennon baby shit, the rugs and blankets and stuffed animals and sheets and bibs and shirts and all that shit. I loved him when I was younger. But the more I found out about him as I got older, eh, not not as big of a fan of him as I used to be. Like when I when, when I was younger, I loved his music and hated Paul's. And as I get older, like I appreciate Paul's music a lot. Well, and, and George, George's yeah. music a lot more than for sure. Like because because it's I guess. I was looked at John as the artsy beetle, and then you get older and realize right. he was just doing it. He was being artsy for artsy's sake. He wasn't. There was no substance behind it. If that makes any sense. Uh, sure. I mean, he was kind of doing a Warhol thing. Yeah. The fact that there there's nothing behind it is the art. Like that is part of the statement that he's making. But yeah, he he kind of comes more from from pop art. And Dadaism of, and stuff. A cruder way of saying it is you realize how much how full of shit he was as you, got, as you get older. Yeah, no, I'll give you that too, yeah. However, I am the walrus. You, Still probably his masterpiece. I'll fucking argue that till I can't breathe anymore. I should say it's more George Martin's masterpiece too. Yeah, a lot of that song is the the production. Although, you know, songwriting still... yeah. Trust me, with my radio gig, trust me, I hear plenty of songs where they're produced like a motherfucker, but they're still shit songs. Yeah. Like, whenever I hear this music, all I think of is, like, how do you perform this live? Most of the music I hear. Like, how do you do this without, you know, electronic backing tracks and auto-tune all over your voice? 
if the power goes out and you still have to play your gig, how do you do it? Even the even the acts that are writing their own material and are at least writing original and sometimes interesting songs, it's still like uh, just, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I guess I, I don't want to get into it. Let's move on. We got old. It's just, yeah. <laughs> Short answer. This is... There's too much of, like, the lyrics sound like they're just written from somebody's teenage journal. Like, they're just rambling. Because half of these people are teenagers. And they're like, and I remember the time that I took you on my car, and it broke down, and we had to walk, and it's like, I don't know, dude. That's not really an interesting story. One of the biggest songs in the country for the last fucking three months is a song about a girl talking about getting her driver's license. (laughs) Yeah, I'm generally not into story songwriting. I just like my shit more abstract. Yeah, well, look somewhere else in music in 2021. I don't need need a narrative to follow. Trust me, the older I get, the more appeal I'm starting to see in jam bands. Popular, same thing with comedies. Sorry, I got something in my throat that I can't get out. One sec. Comedy is another one where, especially the the movies, I just don't get it anymore. Well, I'm trying to think of the last like really good comedy movie that I saw. Because well, it's it's a lot of this internet humor seeping into it, and it's it, it's stuff that we've aged out of. I think. Trust me, I felt we, like I was aging out of Comedy Central, but it, it, it I feel like I'm aging back in. But I, I told you, I think they've realized that they've been around so long now. They have an older audience they have to cater to now. They didn't before. Yeah. But it's for a while, I, the, from like, I don't know, probably like 2015 to last year, I just felt like I, I had aged out of comedy. Just all of these things that I'd watch and be like, that's not funny. I'm, maybe a 21-year-old thinks that's funny, but I don't. And a lot of it is just, yeah, it's, 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 this, it's this real, it's, it's, it's this internet comedy, a lot of... Um, well, it, it, it's there's no edginess anymore, right? Because everyone's worried about offending everybody. It's all just turned into it. it it's all working clean, right? Yeah, it's got no bite to it. It's all um, it's all Jimmy Fallon and fucking Jim Gaffigan, you know that type of shit. No, those those guys can at least be funny. It's, but you, but you get what I'm saying. Nobody works blue anymore because oh, you might offend somebody. You might end up on the internet and not be able to get yeah. work anymore. So I was trying to find the story. So this was going around Twitter this week because IndieWire released a, a ranking of the best comedies of the 21st century. Oh, boy. So everything post-2000 is what they're considering here. Here's their top 10. Number 10, Midnight in Paris. What is that? Um, I thought that was the... Isn't that one of the... Art Linklater movies with uh, with Ethan Hawke and what's her name, where they meet up in a foreign city. Anyway, I think that's what it is. I might be wrong. Number nine, Burn After Reading. Um, probably Set. one of... Uh, that's like the least funny of the uh, Coen Brothers comedies. I know Burn Notice. Uh, number eight, Enough Said. I don't know what that is at all. Have you heard of that? Uh, no. Let me look it up here. Looks like it's got, oh, it's got James Gandolfini in it. Notoriously hilarious dude. 
95 with the critics, 75 with the people. I, maybe I have to check this movie out. I don't know. It's him and Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Oh, she's always funny. But it says it's a romance on Rotten Tomatoes. That's weird. Number seven, The 40-Year-Old Virgin. Finally, we get to a movie that I've seen and also think so, is they're funny. They're talking about the last 20 years? That's only number seven? Yeah. That should number be a seven. top five. Number six is super bad. So, right there, I mean, you put that in front of 40-year-old version. I, I, I think, mm. right? I, I, I don't think, well, if you look at it, I don't think you get super bad without 40-year-old virgin. Right. I, but number I think super bad's right about where it should be. Number five, Team America World Police. Okay. That's a funny movie. I think it deserves to be up there. I mean, it might be a little high, but. Yeah, I don't know if uh, it's top five or <clears> top ten. Number four, the Grand Budapest Hotel. Get the fuck out of here. Man, I tell you, after watching that movie, my knee was sore. I was slapping it so much. That is a gut buster. Are you being facetious? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I was talking about Wes Anderson movies with somebody last week, and I said, they're spotty. Like, some are great, and some are big, pretentious pieces of shit. And the Grand yeah. Budapest Hotel is a big, pretentious piece of shit. I think it. I think it's pretentious. I don't think it's all shit. I mean, I think it's got... A, there's a lot of charm in it, but I don't know. Yeah, it's it's not a hilarious movie. You think that it's is a, the fourth funniest movie of the last 21 years? Dude, it gets worse. <laughs> it gets worse? There's only three left. Yeah. Number three, Lost in Translation. That's not a comedy. That's a fucking romance. It's kind of a depressing one, too. Yeah. That. <laughs> it's like... Who the fuck? What is Indy Wire's definition of comedy? I guess has Bill Murray in it. <laughs> like, it's got Bill Murray. Must be a comedy. This is a suspect top ten. There's no grandma's boy in it. So what's number two? School of Rock. Are you shitting me? I mean, that's a decent movie, that, but I mean, Nacho Libre is better than School of Rock. Of the right? last twenty-one years, <clears throat> are you the fuck- Tenacious Deep movie is better than that? Yeah, that, that was Jack Black selling out. That was Jack Black making a kids' movie. That was Jack Black. That was a paycheck movie for Jack Black. Ugh. So, uh, oh, good lord, who? What the fuck's number one? Well. Number one, this is an obvious one because we all know that there's absolutely nothing better, more funny than a a movie about old divorced dudes who are having a midlife crisis. And that's Sideways. What? What? Sideways. That's how they rank as number one. I was hoping you were going to say like Napoleon Dynamite. (laughs) I think... I think it does make it into this list, like later on down the. I didn't hear you say Anchorman. I believe that appears in the teens. I didn't hear old school in there at all. I didn't hear Step Brothers. Step Brothers really should be in there above Super Bad or Forty Year Old Virgin or. Step Brothers is a top ten of the last twenty one years. Oh yeah, come on now. But I think this kind of highlights what's wrong with comedy like we can't even agree on what is funny anymore like sideways isn't you know? it that's also a fucking like, romance isn't it right so 
I think that they're, I think that they're, that Grand Budapest Hotel, Lost in Translation, Sideways, these movies get in there because they've got some yucks and they're woke enough. And there's probably a lot of other comedies from the last 20 years that they've looked at and go, well, yeah, everyone agrees that Step Brothers is really funny, but like looking at it now, it's problematic because there's a lot of like homo jokes or whatever, you know, whatever could offend anybody. So that's why the first hangover, probably not on this list. I would imagine so. Paging Dr. Fag. <laughs> oh, that's why old school's not on there. That's right. Yeah. The opening scene. I recommend you stop being such a faggot. You're in the back seat. <laughs> oh, that's right. Todd Phillips. He's problematic now. Those are both Todd Phillips movies. Uh, but uh, fucking IndieWire. No. Your top 10 is garbage. It's a shit list. It's an absolute shit list. It's some 22-year-old made their fucking... I don't know. I have a feeling there was a committee involved in this one. It's Trainwreck on there. That movie is hilarious. Trainwreck. It's the last funny thing Amy Schumer did. I think that appears later on down the list, yeah. I couldn't find the... Oh, wait. Here it is. Although all the LeBron James jokes lost on my wife. I thought they were hilarious. But if you don't know who LeBron James is, just go right over your head. The Weedsman Podcast. ChristopherMedia.net. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. ChristopherMedia.net. The Weedsman Podcast. And hey, come on. No. But Team America's got plenty of problematic shit going on in it. I guess because it's puppets. Well, for starters, neither Trey... No, no, it doesn't matter anymore, right? With the voices, right? Trey Parker's not Korean, so he's got to go. That's a very good point. It's also a racist depiction. I'm sure at some point there are some female voice actors who are going without gigs because Trey and Matt want to do their voices. You think those black puppets, those were black people doing their voices, huh? Oh, that's right. Come on, isn't the Simpsons teaching us? Hank Azaria is just going to lose all of his gigs. Now, they've replaced Apu, Dr. Hibbert. Apparently, they added some gay hairdresser for Marge that Hank lost. Hey, Nancy Cartwright's not a 10-year-old boy. She's got to go. That whole cast is, like, really creeping up there. Like, how how old is Harry Shearer? He's got to be pushing 70. Yardley Smith isn't a seven-year-old girl. We got to replace her. Yeah, um, who does Marge? Julie Kavner. 
Julie Kavner, she's got to be up there too with uh, with Shearer. Holy like at shit. some point, Harry is Shearer that what it's going to take? Seventy-seven years old. Holy fuck, he's almost eighty. Yeah, I, somebody major is going to have to kick the bucket before they cancel that show. Like, if they lost Marge, do you think they could? Do you think they could get away with recasting Marge? No. I mean, that is a distinct voice. Ju- Julie Kavner is 70. Yeah. Well, what? Homer's got to be fucking up there. Dan Castellaneta? Yep, he's been around. Oh, he's a, he's a young one. He's 63. Wow, did he ever have hair? He was bald when The Simpsons <laughs> started. It means he was in his 30s. I don't know what, a, he, what he looks like. I'm sure I've seen pictures of him before. He's always had the horseshoe. Like, the, even back when they first started... He's always had the horseshoe. Like it was, has he been bald since he was twenty six? Has he did? Has he been in anything like? Does he do live action acting at all? Has he ever? Oh, you're gonna see him on Parks and Rec. He plays an. Uh, he is the NPR host in Palm. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, okay. And then That's later, funny. and then also- later on in the series, John Hodgman joins him. Yeah. And because uh, I was thinking about, I was thinking about Parks and Rec actually, just because uh, they had H. John Benjamin on, and he's one of those guys where, like, every time he shows up on something, I'm like, that doesn't look real. Like, it. You're his Sterling voice, Archer. Right. I mean, he's so many things for me now. He's like, you know, Coach McGurk. Yeah, I was gonna say McGurk. I, just, I think McGurk and Archer. Yeah, and. He's so great at that, but like he just when you see him in real life, you're like, no. It's like when you see, like NPR is a good example. If you ever see somebody that you've listened to a lot on the radio, and then you get to see him like interviewed on television, you're like, that doesn't look right. That's not how I picture them looking. That, that voice doesn't look like it's coming out of their mouth. Yeah, you have it built up in your mind. Remember in Wayne's World. But also, when they, oh, ironically, when they met Harry Shearer, he was handsome Dan. Like, nothing against H. John Benjamin, because I think he's hilarious and he's an excellent voice actor, but he just does not have that it. Like, he does not, he has zero presence on screen. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's a reason he's why a, he's a really good voice actor and doesn't get other gigs. I say that's why he's got nine million voice jobs and he's, yeah. uh, he's apparently a good writer. He's written on tons of shows. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. But, you know, fine for guest stars. He pops up something, and I'm like, hey, it's that dude. Also, I remember the very first time I heard him, he was Benjamin Katz. Remember Dr. That's Katz? Right. He was yeah, Dr. He played Katz's his son. son. <laughs> That's so, okay, where can I find that? Like, nobody's streaming that shit. All I can find is DVDs, and I don't want to buy a whole DVD box set of Dr. Katz, but I want to watch that shit again. Like HBO has home movies, but they don't have, they don't have Dr. Katz, the original squiggle vision show. Right. I was checking out girls five ever. Is that any good? That's, it's really funny. Yeah. I dig it. It's uh well, I mean, if you've enjoyed, like if you enjoy 30 rock, it's got the same rhythm, you know, it's not, what's well, Tina Fey show, right? Like it's, it wasn't created by Tina Fey. It was, let's see, Meredith Scardino is the creator of it, but it's got Tina Fey's thumbprint all over it. 
like the the funny incidental music for everything and and the, just the production values a lot of the characters you see what's the guy who played Dennis uh, uh, uh Dean Winters right isn't that the dude that uh Mayhem. He also does as we all know him from the Allstate May- commercials right yeah 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 that dude <laughs> And he plays kind of a similar character in this. And, uh, and Tina Fey shows up as Dolly Parton. <laughs> oh, wow. See, or two, we also, for Law & Order fans, you know Miss Cassidy. The, uh, Dean Winters? Yeah. He was, he was on Law & Order. He was on SVU. He was one of the original cops way back in I, the yeah, day. I originally know him from, what was, Rescue Me, I think. I never... Uh, it, I didn't know him until he was Dennis. But then, you know, going back and watching SVU with my wife, like the the early seasons, like he's he he predates Ice T on Law and Order. Yeah, but no, the show's good. I mean, it's got that kind of well, you know, the 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 Tina Fey stamp is always like it's got a that kind of zaniness to it. That on like we don't really believe that all the stuff that. Uh, that um, God, why am I blanking on everything? Well, right it's, it's, and it's a quick delivery style. It's very rapid fire. Right. So when one of the characters says something that's absolutely ridiculous, and if you stopped and thought about it for a second, you're like, that doesn't even make any sense. It doesn't even matter because they're on to the next joke. So they get to like kind of pave over a lot of stuff and 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 do more ridiculous humor, and and it works. And it's got like that similar vibe to it. But the cast is really great, especially Paula Pell. My God, she is fucking amazing in this. And if you don't know the the concept, it's a girl group that had one. They were they were a one hit wonder around the two thousands, and in modern day, somebody some rapper samples their song, and that gets them a little bit of push to, you know, get the ball rolling on. Hey, why don't we? Give this another shot. So it's forty somethings doing a girl group thing. Ah, so it's aimed at us. Uh yeah, yeah absolutely. It's it. It is like our our demo. Our demo is like right in their crosshairs. Gotcha. So we should talk about weed a little bit before we get out of here. Yeah. Recently, the head of the National Institute on drug abuse, NIDA, which, uh, if you're not familiar, this is a government uh, organization that is just focused on, you know, studying drug abuse and drug treatment. And the director, Nora Volkow, said this week that, uh, well, in a, in a paper entitled and uh, entitled in a paper titled "Addiction Should Be Treated, Not Penalized." Uh, they go on to say, "Drug use continues to be penalized despite the fact that punishment does not ameliorate substance use disorders or related problems. Imprisonment, whether for drug or other offenses, actually leads to much higher risk of drug overdose upon release." It's basically, saying it doesn't work. Treat it, because when they come out, they're fiending. Yeah. So this is only, I mean, this kind of vaguely covers cannabis. I mean, what they're really talking about is drugs that 
have a lot more potential to destroy somebody's life. You know, cocaine, opioids, um, you know, any kind of like severely addictive drug. But uh, yeah, I mean, ultimately, this is is what they're saying is the war on drugs not only hasn't worked; like it's time to give it up completely. It's not just that we need to de-escalate the war on drugs. Maybe we should relax our stance on on cannabis, and maybe it's okay to allow more, uh, you know, more research into psychedelics. This is flat out what they're saying is the way that the government has has pursued drugs in this country has been more harmful to the people than what the drugs alone would do, you know? I mean, I'm not saying that, like, left on their own, that a person is just naturally going to get sick of cocaine, but it is a possi- it's a better possibility than if they go to jail for that, right? If that person has a cocaine addiction, but they also have uh, some structure and, and they manage to hold down a decent job and have, and have some family around them, they have a lot more opportunities for help and a lot more incentive to make that, to follow through on that and actually do something about their addiction. If you take that person and put them in a, in a prison, then you're pretty much guaranteeing that they're not only going to be able to get their hands on the, on any drug that they want while in prison, but that they're going to continue to do that when out. You're treating the symptom, not the disease. Nope. Says further in this paper, we have known for decades that addiction is a medical condition, a treatable brain disorder, not a character flaw or a form of social deviance. Yet despite the overwhelming evidence supporting that position, drug addiction continues to be criminalized. The U.S. must take a public health approach to drug addiction now in the interest of both population well-being and health equity. Well, I think the more the more that the ball keeps rolling on cannabis legalization, we're going to have no choice but to go this way. Well, that's what I'm, I mean, yes, but cannabis is just kind of the thing that's helping get the foot in the door. Yes. Psychedelics are going to be a lot more impactful. We're reading a lot more stories now about how people, you know, there's been successful trials with, uh, with, like full-on psychedelic, you know, like mushroom and LSD type of derivatives. And also, uh, I don't know if, they, if they're classified as psychedelic, but drugs like ecstasy. And there's even, uh, I've read articles about how people, investors are really hyped about psychedelics, even more so than they are on cannabis. Oh, yeah. I mean, because they're legal in Colorado. I mean, mushrooms are, and then Oregon, everything's legal. Right. Well, well, I should say because criminalized. What the you know, ultimately, I don't think that the the goal isn't that you're going to have a store where you can go in and and buy some mushrooms or some ecstasy. It's that they manage to you know boil this down into something that they can put in a pill and prescribe. And that's where the real money is. You want to talk about how much cannabis people are making in cannabis in any given state. Like the prescription drugs is is, that makes that cannabis money look like chump change. Well, yeah. If you can, if you can finally do some research on what uh, on psilocybin mushrooms and 
you know, take the things out of it that actually benefit you and control dosage. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Minnesota is voting on legalize. Well, the House, their their Minnesota House is is voting on uh, this week. Actually, by the time this comes out, we'll have known their vote already. But this is a this is a bill that's made its way through twelve different House committees to make its way to the floor this this week. On medical or recreational? This is a, a bill to legalize cannabis recreationally and expunge the records of those convicted for nonviolent offenses. I mean, they got to figure right at Illinois, uh, Michigan. I mean, it, you know, like I said, Wisconsin. If you're surrounded, if Minnesota does it, yeah. Well, if you live in the in Minnesota, then you might want to call your representatives because apparently, according to this story that I'm reading in uh, ABC Five Eyewitness News, uh, the Minnesota House is Democrat controlled, and this is expected to go through without a hitch. But then it's got to hit the Senate, which is Republican controlled in Minnesota. Obviously, its chances are much graver. Yeah, but you never know. Now, I mean, we'd, especially, I mean, when you look at the last election, the, the red states that came on with recreational, the, the worm has turned, so to speak, with most people. Yep, and, you know, especially Midwestern Republicans, I think that they're, they're not getting pressure from their constituents to keep this illegal. Illegal. Well, Midwestern Republicans have also seemed to realize, well, a good portion of them, not all, that like being bipartisan is a good thing. They're not like these down south Republicans or these like Texas Republicans. Mm-hmm. And the conservative faction of the, the Midwest t- tends to lean a little more libertarian than in other areas, I think. Like your Ron Swanson's. So, so, yeah, big on personal freedom. Maybe they don't enjoy the weed themselves, but they're like, hey, do what I you like to enjoy my property. Yeah. I like to get drunk on whiskey. What if somebody so, someday decides that that's a bad thing, that the government's going to control that and tell me I can't get drunk when I want to? How is that any different? Paula Pell. <clears throat> you'll, you'll see it soon. I think it's season four. It has a great line in Parks and Rec. She plays Ron Swanson's mom. Ask her oh, does she? Yeah, I didn't know she was in it. Uh, it's 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 like it, it's like one scene. Yeah, but, uh, it's, they ask her a question. It's, well, this is America, isn't it? Uh, yes. Well, I don't have to answer stupid questions while standing on my own property. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's more that's that's like your Midwestern Republican, a good a good portion of them. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So in New York, where they've recently had. Uh, you know, they're, they're pending legalization at least. And in advance of that, you know, the, they basically decriminalize it. They've told the cops, you know, we don't want to see any more arrests for possession under, I don't know, whatever it is, an ounce or something like that. And the, the New York cops are pushing back on this, saying that, well, now because we can't pull people over for the smell of marijuana, it's resulted in us making less gun busts on the streets. So in a recent memo, they outlined... Like a false equivalency? Right. So, well, the, I mean, the story... You're down that, that road. 
that's the narrative that that uh, that the, the cops are laying out in New York is that like you know there's a lot more gun violence in New York, but our our actual gun busts are get the guns that we're getting off the street that number has gone down and i'm sure it's a fact that you know they were finding a lot of guns by following the smell of marijuana you know you pull somebody over for an illegal drug you get to search their trunk and you might find some other shit too i don't doubt that that happens that doesn't make it a justified reason to pull over everybody who smells like marijuana looking for guns it's not a one to one thing there's no relation between enjoying marijuana and having an illegal firearm. I was just going to say, yeah, the, what they're essentially saying with that statement is like, well, if they smoke weed, they got an illegal gun. No, I know plenty of people who smoke weed who, who have no guns or they have yeah. legal guns. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's not who we're not talking about the current like. I'm sorry that this is a tool that you no longer have at your disposal, but I guess find a better way to do your job. Because we've kind of agreed that there are limits to what a cop can get away with in this country because we believe in certain personal freedoms. Well, the one thing that the, the, I, uh, I bet you the New York cops will complain about is they can't do uh, – I, I mean, have you ever been to New York City? No. They're just the way – the, the way the environment is, they can't do regular traffic stops like cops in Detroit. Sure. Like right. there's, there is just too much, like it, 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 just, there's too much going on. If you pull this person over, then you're going to have to pull the next person. Like it's, you, you would You'd be shutting streets down. Yeah. yeah. You, you could just stay in the same spot all day and just, just pull somebody, like finish a traffic stop and then get somebody, you know, within 30 seconds of finishing it. So, I mean, that's. I mean, from from a fundraising aspect, they're probably like, "Well, we can't do this. Now we can't do that." It's I'm not trying to sympathize with them, but I'm just saying that's probably another pushback you get. Well, like, well, we can't pull people over for running stop signs because it's New York City, and that's just ludicrous. Yeah, no, I'm not saying that I'm unsympathetic, but that doesn't mean that. I think that people should just relent, and be like, "Okay, you know what? You can still search me." Like. No, I don't think people are going to be volunteering. Hey, look, hey, you want to come search me? Fuck no. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that, but I don't know. What are you going to do? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying to these cops. Like, what is? Oh well, what, what are you? You're complaining. You you get to do less of your job. Hey, I'm I'm hearing less work, same pay. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Yeah, and, and what's your solution to it? I mean, ultimately, what you're saying is that we should just go back to having pot be illegal because it makes your job easier how about tell the mayor to do a no questions asked guy bun back or a gun buyback <laughs> wow i said that backwards <laughs> what did you buy i said think i said bun guy, buyback. guy bun yeah, <laughs> guy, guy bun back <laughs> it's a, is that your porn name that you just it is, is now Freudian slip <laughs> i'm guy bun back <laughs> i'm here to fix your plumbing yeah, do a gun buyback. No questions asked. Sure, you get plenty of guns off the street. Mm -hmm. Say, hey, a hundred bucks. No questions asked. Turn in your firearms, or just trade it for weed. Cut out the middleman. Oh, there you go. Hundred dollars in weed. Maybe there you go. Everybody wins. You get the guns. They get the weed. Yeah, and here in Michigan, they're trying to set laws for cannabis. Uh, consumption or basically how much uh, 
how much THC is in your bloodstream, and uh, you know if you're if you're out there operating a vehicle, have some sort of you know THC limit to charge people with driving while impaired, which we all know like doesn't really there's there's zero relationship between how much THC registers in your system and how much of it is currently affecting you. Yeah. You could be stone sober and not have smoked for days and still have enough THC in your system to show up to. I mean, what they're, they're looking at setting a legal limit of five nanograms per milliliter of blood. So, and, and that's the thing is like, how do you even, what do you relate that to? Like with alcohol. Well, yeah. Does it active? How do you it, measure if it's active or not? Right. With alcohol, it's it's in your system and it's active while it's in your system and then you piss it out, right? You process it, you piss out the rest, you're done with it. Yeah, it's a short you know? stay. And, and you can have, you can give people like a really, like, oh, you know, if you have more than like a drink and a half or something, you should, you're probably too impaired. You should wait a certain, you know, they have guidelines for this shit. How do you... How do you set those guidelines for the people to follow to know that if they go to a party and smoke a joint, you know, what, how many joints can they smoke at the party? How long do they have to wait before driving before they can expect it to be, you know, safe to not be impaired or get pulled over and harassed by the cops? And not only do we not have that, we know from experience that everyone's vastly different. And it's not even a stand, like you can have different strains affect people differently. You know, I'm sure you, how many times have you said, been sharing a joint with somebody? Someone's like, whoa, I got to stop. That's too much for me. And you're like, really? I can barely feel this shit. I'm going to smoke another joint. Well, look, like, like, you used to be on the show. Big Rob, right? The amount of weed it's going to take to get me and you high is going to be a lot different than take Big Rob. Cause he, yeah. Larger dude, taller. <laughs> Uh, more body fat, larger circulatory right. system. Well, that, yeah. And when we do account for that, you know, we have guidelines for, you know, if you're a bigger person, you're going to process alcohol differently. That's going to be a mess. If they, if they pass anything like that. And it, the thing is, is that it's, it's another piece of unnecessary legislation, no matter how you cut it. It's just like trying to make certain things a hate crime. Like, we have laws to prosecute people when they perpetrate harm on another, you know? Why why does intent have to get into it to that point? It's and I mean I just look at it know, as right now it, it, in Michigan the administration that is in charge is uh, it's the party that loves to make rules. So it's it's just it's it's, it's, it's another it's another rule to lay down so they can check the box and say look we did something. Yeah, but this isn't just a Democrat or Republican issue. I mean, the, the, Michigan isn't the only one that's been looking at setting blood alcohol limits for, for THC. And and like I was trying to lay out on my comparison, you know, you have we already have laws for impaired driving, right? We don't, you know, if you if you're swerving, you know, if you're driving erratically, if you crash into somebody else, if you, you know, 
the cops can pull you over. They can ticket you. You can get your license suspended if you're you know that bad of a driver. It's not like we don't have a way to control this. Uh, it's it, it's all new, right? I mean, we're still figuring it out. I think like it's, it's they're going to have to figure out a way to how do you measure the active THC in your system? Can you even do that? That's the thing. Like, I don't think that you do need to. You can just say, hey, if you if you get so high that you crash your car or crash into somebody else or do property damage, we're going to hold you accountable, right? That's t- it's, it's not like you can get away with this shit normally. It's not like if I never smoked pot in my life, I can go mow over a mailbox and if the cops don't find anything in my system, they're like, all right, well, I guess you're just a crazy driver. Well, watch out then. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. No, they would ticket me with reckless driving. Do that enough times? You'll never see your license again. Like, you know, you run somebody down, you could be charged with manslaughter. You know, that'll fuck up your life. We have this shit already. We don't need, we don't need special laws to control behavior of like certain types of behavior, like consuming cannabis. We don't even need it for alcohol, you know? How long until people slaughter? Like, by, I, by the way, I, and I'm not saying that like our, our laws against drunk driving and impaired driving are draconian. I think in most cases they're pretty appropriate because that's a pretty heinous thing that a lot of people think that they can get away with and a lot of, you know, and, and ultimately people only learn the hard way when they get arrested or, you know, hurt themselves or others. So, but I just don't think that we need laws specifically for drunk driving. We can just say, Hey, here's the punishment. You fuck around, whether you're drinking, you're too high you're fucking eating a Big Mac, you're on your thumb fucking your your goddamn iPhone, whatever it is. They just call it impaired. Right. And if that means that, you know, you're driving outside the lines, if you if you crash into a pole, do whatever, you're gonna be prosecuted and it's gonna fucking suck. It's gonna cost you money. You know? You hurt somebody, you might end up in jail. Why does why does alcohol have to? Why does we have to have a subset of laws to control alcohol? That's different from just operating that fucking deadly weapon of a vehicle that we do every day anyway. Because lobbyists, yeah. So I don't know, dude. Like it's 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 kind of crazy because on on one hand we go oh it's legal now so now we're not going to be harassed by the cops just for having it on us but now maybe we are just going to be harassed by cops just by having it in us we could be harassed by cops for having a certain level of of THC in our blood and have zero cannabis in the car have not consumed it that day so it's I'm like sure one step be... it's like one step forward two steps back i'm sure it'll be a fun no, because my retort to that is lawyers, because they're going to argue all of the th- all of the things you've brought up until the t- until the technology can measure like until they can tell you've just smoked. I mean, it, 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 this is going yeah, to be a legal but no, but nightmare. Lawyer, that's not a solution. That's only a solution if you have money for lawyers. That doesn't account for all the people that just get ground through the system and never touch a real lawyer. Which is the majority of these cases? You still get your court appointed. I'm just saying, it, 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 there's a huge gray area right now. That's that's 
like we're, we're still in the infancy of this. I mean, the, the whole country isn't even legal yet. So, I, 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 well, that's a thing too, though, is that laws like this have zero to do with the legality of it. You know, our, our driving while impaired laws don't have any effect on the legality of alcohol. Assuming that you can purchase and drink as much alcohol as you want, we just care about when you do it behind the wheel. They have, so they affect the so, laws around them, though. Like a bar kid, a bartender can't no, but, knowingly serve you. <clears throat> like if you're impaired, well, then, they can't give you any more. If they know you're drunk, they cut no. You what off. it does is is it it does what bad laws do is create more bad laws. You know, they they point out other things like oh we, we're controlling this aspect, we need to control all these other aspects of it too. And and what I'm saying is that. It's completely divorced from, like, the the federal government could go, hey, cannabis, completely legal across the board. Banks do your thing. Everybody sell sell weed and tax it. The feds aren't going to fuck with you. And that has zero effect on any of these laws that people are, are putting together to monitor THC in the bloodstream. It doesn't suddenly just make it wide open to drive with with cannabis. Yeah, well, it didn't with alcohol either, right? So it's not it's not something that like that we're going to grow into, right? This is like our our laws about the legality of cannabis use will continue to evolve, and eventually, yes, it's going to open up, and the whole country is going to be legal. That I think just seems like a no brainer. This is one of those things that's just going to continue to get worse and worse unless the people speak up. Well, no, because I disagree with that. Because to 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 even test for this, right, you got to have reasonable cause, right? It's it's like it, it's like they can't just pull you over with no cause and go blow into this breathalyzer. They have to have a reason. They want you to blow into the breathalyzer, right? But then you have THC attributed to every practically every traffic stop. Like if they pull every your time, car so, over, every time somebody doesn't, every time somebody doesn't do a full stop at a sign. And then they go, well, that's technically erratic driving. Let's test your THC. Well, shouldn't be driving around no, high. They, Here's your ticket. No, because they can't do that with alcohol. They go, do you know why? I put, they don't, if you blow a stop, they don't assume that you're drunk. They don't, they don't do that with you with alcohol. You know, they might right, ask you they, if you've been but drinking. They have certain, but they have certain things. So that there's certain things about what a person does when they're drunk and the way that they drive that, that the cops can look out for. And then when they actually confront the person, you know, there's the smell, the look in the eye. There's too many factors that can give a person away. And so then you go, okay, get out of the car. Let's test, you know, have you blow into this thing. There's What are those indicators for cannabis? How do I drive when I'm high? How does anyone drive when they're high? What does that right? mean? And so the all I'm saying is that without that, the cops can just attribute any old thing. To well, well, yeah. Well, what you're saying is all hypothetical. So, I'm sure there's going to no, be no, no. standards set in law. No, no, no. It's not. It's not hypothetical, though, because what happens is you you make a shitty law and you put that law into action, and now the cops have that. They're as just a, assuming as a tool. they're going to abuse it. Absolutely, they do. No, this is what happens. Okay, it's not assuming anything. There's a clear history of this. We make shitty laws. We implement the laws that don't that we don't need, and now the cops have that tool, and then they use that tool. They go, okay, so we got to start bringing in tickets for cannabis. 
for you know for driving while impaired. This is yeah, but this is all based now, on stuff and, uh, you think and next thing you know, do. and now the next thing you know, you have a quota. No, this is not me assuming. This is history. This is what actually happens. If you make the law, it doesn't just get ignored. It now goes because eventually that law becomes a quota. At the uh, you make a law against speeding. Now the cops say, well, you got to write so many speeding tickets. You make a law that says you got to keep your seatbelt on. Now the cops have to have so many seatbelt tickets each month. You make a law that says you can't drive while drunk. Now they have DWI quotas. They have quotas on all this shit. You make a law that says people can't be driving around with too much THC in their blood system. The cops, in order to implement that, are going to make a quota, and they're going to look for circumstances to apply that to. So what are those circumstances? It could be anything. It could literally be anything well, because the there's, you're, no, you're, clear, you're, you're there's no clear indicator of behavior from the person who is, has THC in their system well, yeah, You're clutching your over standards that it's haven't not, even been set yet. You're, 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 you're fearing about something, about standards that haven't even been set yet. Well, no, that's, they're talking about setting them right now. They're talking about implementing the standard for it, a standard that makes no sense that we already agree on. It has no relation to impairment or reality of cannabis consumption at all. So how is that a fairly applied law? Well, once the standards are in place, we'll see. They're not in place yet. The, the standard is amount of THC in the bloodstream. That is the standard. Yeah, but there's also going to be standards for behavior. That's up to the cop's discretion. You don't automatically get asked if you've been drinking if you blow a stop sign. You're just assuming every cop is going to be assuming everybody's high. Because there's nothing about blowing a stop sign that would make anyone think that you were drunk. Everybody's high. That's that's your scenario. No, every cop is going to assume everybody is high on a traffic stop. That is not what I'm saying. I'm saying that. You have a tool to prosecute people for being high while driving. You're going to apply that tool. And what situations do you apply that to? What is it about driving while stoned that is an indicator that that person is impaired? Uh, driving probably and, the same as alcohol. Driving erratically, driving over or under the speed limit, doing anything to arouse a cop's suspicion. Right. So you apply that really gray standard to something that we already know is an inaccurate measurement and you have really nothing but the potential for abuse. I don't see how you accurately apply that law in any given situation where I'm not, you know, hanging a a fucking comically oversized joint out my window and swerving all over the road. Okay, so uh, I pull a couple guys over and their fucking eyes are blue out as hell. I think that's, I, I think this is a case of good with the bad, man. You want legal weed? This kind of stuff's going to come with it. Uh, I don't see that as a one to one. We don't have to write bad, more bad laws just because we are, are, just because we're being less strict about cannabis doesn't mean we need to write more bad laws to help oh. control the behavior. And my answer will be what it always is in situations like this. Then put better people in place that will write better laws. Because that's who's going mean, to be writing these bad laws are the people we've put in power. Okay, but that's not, I mean, we were arguing over whether this is a bad law or not. So that's kind of separate. 
And we got to wrap this up. All right. Cool. Uh, follow us on social media. Uh, find us on Facebook and like us. Uh, we are on Twitter at the Weisman 420 Instagram at the Weisman Podcast. Uh, go to ChristopherMedia.net, hit the PayPal button in the Amazon banner if you would like to help us out. And wherever you listen to us, you can listen to us everywhere. Uh, we're on YouTube now, by the way, too. Uh, leave a review. Leave a rating. That helps people find us. It's like everything else you do in life now, right? You, you, you buy something new, you look at the rating. You pick a new place to eat and we're allowed to go eat places again. You look at the rating. People do the same thing for podcasts. So if you can rate us, review us. We would appreciate it. So thank you for listening and stay high. Stay high. Podcast. ChristopherMedia.net.